a bit of a cool down. Things can get hot again a little bit this week, maybe not quite as much as last. And then uh, at our house, we will begin school this week. Yay! <laughs> Boy, it seems like, seems like the enthusiasm is split. This room is split. No, that... I, I think we're excited to get back in the routine, but maybe not. Yeah, now how that goes. Uh, we share the enthusiasm. <laughs> now, uh, we expect them to have a great year. They'll, they'll be continuing where they were before. Um, got to meet teachers on Wednesday night and uh, was talking to one of them who was there about the way that God has really kind of pulled together it. Uh, the, the right folk um, at that school, their uh, curriculum it has changed some than it was even when, uh, when we started to more of a, they call it a classical education approach with a focus on, on what, guys? Oh, they don't know. <laughs> Specifically on uh, being good readers and writers. So, we're excited for all that this year has to offer and uh, pray that uh, every student, teacher, be it at where the boys go to school and Catherine or other schools, KCK started I think this week, Wednesday or Thursday of this week, back in the swing, tough decisions I know, there are many discussions about uh, all of the necessary precautions. So, uh, shoot, I just try to be as flexible as my kids are with those types of things. Appreciate you all with your, with your masks. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll kind of do what I've done before. And when I'm up here, if I'm at this distance, I'll probably take it off. It's a little easier, I think, to hear and understand and kind of a link, uh, longer uh, presentation. But if I walk out, I'll, I'll stick it back on. So we'll get used to it. Speaking of... Flexibility. That's what I was thinking about, actually, in, in, light, of, uh, in light of this passage that we're going to, to read in just a moment. I do try to be flexible in most areas of my life, some of which I am more than others. However, however, when it comes to meals associated with holidays, Dana, one of the things that, one of, one of the things that she, she thinks I could be a little bit more flexible with, I am not. I think if it is a certain day, you should eat a certain thing. And I'm not really quite sure where I got that. That wasn't really the, whoa, that wasn't really the case growing up. I guess, though, when I moved out and I decided I got to pick what I ate on certain days, I, I just would eat what I think went with the day. New Year's, New Year's Day, black-eyed peas. Supposed to be good luck, right? I, I just think they're good. I like them. St. Patrick's Day, I'm not a traditionalist as it relates to corned beef and cabbage. I don't really like cabbage that much. But a good Reuben on St. Patrick's Day, right? I'll take my sauerkraut. <laughs> Easter ham, and Dana doesn't even like ham, so that's, that's always a, you know. And then, this is the one that she can't quite... Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day. To, to me, you, you gotta you gotta grill out. You gotta do something. Hamburgers and hot dogs are fine. Barbecue, whatever. 
but I feel like if you can, if you can get a grill going, you, you ought to. And then Thanksgiving, probably one of my favorite meals of the whole year. Christmas. At our house, I, 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 put, it, I put it up here. Our, our, our immediate family, the last four or five years, we've done steak on Christmas. We open up our, our gifts that morning and, and then, and then do, do steak. You know, there's something about a good meal. Whether it is on a holiday or any other day, it, 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 can, it, can, it can really be kind of a highlight of the day. I have really, really, in all honesty, felt bad for the folk with, with COVID who lose their sense of taste. Sometimes for weeks at a time. I was watching a guy online who had COVID. And he, took, he did this video, and, and he was trying to demonstrate that he had no taste. And so he, he brushed his teeth. And then he took this big glass of orange juice. You ever done that on accident? I don't know what it is. The acidity of the orange juice mixed with the mint of the tooth. And he just drank the whole thing. He had these some sort of sardines, and he just put. And he was nope, nope, nothing. Can't taste it at all. He took a big bite of a lemon. Nope, can't taste it at all. I thought, boy, what a what a rough way to live life. Hmm? Hopefully he's. I don't know how old that video was. Hopefully he's he, he's better. He's better now. All of those meals, as much as I enjoy each one of these, and shoot, to be honest, I enjoy meal. Dana asked me why I eat so slow. My boys wonder why I eat so slow. I just, I, I'm just trying to savor each bite. Right? But eventually, eventually every meal comes to an end. Jesus, though, presented himself in John, where we've been the last several weeks, as the bread of life. Insinuating that what he offered, what he offered was really at the heart of what we need. Other translations, in fact, the one I'm going to put up here in just a second, call it the living bread. The living bread. From John 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. I just want to acknowledge that if, if anybody but Jesus came in and, and, and said something like this, unless you eat 
my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah, I, I just want to not, not pretend like that's not a little weird, okay? We would probably have some concerns about their mental stability. I was not talking to him. It was a Facebook video he had made. He pastors a small church out in central Kansas. And he, he was referring to this passage and called it Cannibal Jesus. And I can understand the, uh, the legitimacy of that, of that title. It was something that was kind of disturbing to those that he said it to at the time. The group of his hearers disputed, as John says, probably a nice way of saying, this guy is crazy. What, what is it that he's asking us to do? It, it can be, reading back into this story, it can be easy for us to read into it that Jesus is referring to the Last Supper. Because there is similar uh, language. And, 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 and even as Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is the the new Testament, the new covenant in my blood, drink all. So, so we can hear these words from John 6 and think, oh, he's talking about communion. However, in terms of just a chronological time frame, that hadn't happened yet. So there must be something to these words within their context that allows them to stand on their own. I think as opposed to some sort of a of a reference to the future and that very significant time with his disciples in the upper room, maybe what Jesus is saying at this moment is this. I am the main course. The main course of the meal, the, the part that, that fills you up, the part that nourishes you the most. The steak and potatoes, as we would maybe say today. The soup and the salad, the appetizers are, are, are great. Dessert is always good, but you, you, you maybe could live on, on that food. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't be taking in all that you needed. There would be a sense that you are somehow malnourished. Can you think of a, of a great meal you've ever had? Anyway, I, don't, I don't go many places where they say, oh, here's your appetizer, here's the main course, here's the dessert. But, but can, can you think of any great meal where, boy, all, all the sides were good, but the meat just wasn't very good? Huh? Maybe, maybe you can, but those aren't the ones that really stick out. Because, because the, the main course, the, the meat, was all, was all due... Deference and respect to those who choose not to eat meat. The, the meat is, is the main thing. The, the main course. Jesus is saying that what came before was good. Meaning, the law and the prophets, they provided some nourishment. The appetizer of Moses was fine. All of it was prepared by God. But Jesus is what really feeds us and what really gives us life. And bread then, bread was the main staple. It was not like today where we could I mean, go any number of places within 
two miles from here and get just about any meat we would want. And that wasn't the case. There was not the stability of meat availability in the first century. But bread, bread, everyone could relate to. And in a lot of ways, bread was the main, the main course, the main nourishment, the main staple of people's diet, central to their existence. It can be easy to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the main course. We can get distracted by the appetizers and desserts of, of life. But it is he who gives us eternal life. And by feeding on him and taking him into our hearts and into our lives, we receive life. Jesus has the main course. You know that Identity as the main course was costly. It required a good amount of sacrifice on the part of Jesus. He alludes to that in saying, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I don't want to get too gruesome or too stuck on the details, but if you're going to do that, and I don't think Jesus was being literal, but I think he's making a point. You're not going to be able to very well do any of that to someone who's alive, right? <laughs> we have this sense as humans that God has created the, the instinct to survive. And that doesn't sound compatible with someone doing that. If Jesus had just wanted to talk about accepting him as spiritual nourishment, he could have, but he is referring at this point to his death on the cross. It's through his death that Jesus secures our eternal life. His death defeated sin, and because sin is defeated, we have forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, for that to happen, a sacrifice had to be made. The body broken, the blood shed. So often today, we are out of touch with all that goes into the preparation of our own food. We forget about the logistics of the process that put, puts food on our tables. There's a pastor who was writing about finding an old church cookbook one day in his office, and he began to thumb through it, certain that he would find good down-home meals. And one of the very first recipes was for fried chicken. And he thought, oh boy, I bet you, I bet you this would be good. He noted, though, the very first instruction when it came to preparing fried chicken. The first line read, the day before, pick the chicken. And he immediately realized that that was not instruction to go to Price Chopper or Walmart, right? <laughs> Becoming the main course required on the part of Jesus a willingness to sacrifice. Blood had to be shed. He had to die so that we could be fed and receive eternal life. 
a free gift for us, but something that cost Jesus everything. I think even, even for folk like us, who long ago, many of us, committed ourselves to walking with Jesus and to receiving the bread of life that he offers, if we could continue the analogy, sometimes our eating habits wane a little bit. We get stuck on the junk food of life. You ever go on a road trip? And, uh, oh, let's see, we're needing to stop for lunch. Let's go to McDonald's. Okay, yeah, it's all right. I got a couple kids that think it's top notch. But you eat that, and then that night you get to your location, and you go to some restaurant and eat. You do that for a couple days, and you think, all right. I don't feel very good. I need, I need a vegetable, right? <laughs> I need to eat better. Sometimes in our, in our spiritual lives, there can be something similar. If you find yourself a little weak spiritually, maybe like your soul's blood sugar is a little low, maybe you need a good meal. Maybe you need to focus on the main course, on the Lord Jesus. Maybe it would mean, well, just to give a practical suggestion. Maybe this week you'd sit down and read. Shoot, if you read three chapters a day of Mark's gospel, you'd be through with it. You could give yourself a break on Saturday and just read one chapter. Be through with it by the end of the week. Maybe it's not reading. Maybe it's just time sitting. Intentionally, not in a mystical way, but intentionally placing yourself in the presence of Jesus. Think of the story of Mary. Mary and Martha. As she sat at Jesus' feet, even as Martha, ironically, was preparing the meal, preparing the main course. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, but Mary has chosen the thing that will not be taken from her, the bread of life. This is probably way more for me than for any of the rest of you, but as I consider the passage this week, consider the the need to, to always kind of recenter my focus, recenter my focus, of the Lord Jesus. It can become so easy to be distracted by so many things instead of remembering Jesus' identity as the main course. As we do that, we can be sure of Jesus' promise. This is the bread which came down from heaven. He who eats this bread will live forever. May it be true of us. Amen.